Well, we've been looking over the last three weeks, and this week and next week, at what are called the five solas. The sola being the Latin word for alone. And uh, so it's the five things that we believe stand alone in our theology. They came out of the Protestant Reformation as the men and women of that time reformed the church of the Middle Ages. And they're the foundation of our theology today. And they are basically these. First of all, we believe in Scripture alone. That is, we believe that what we know and what we understand in every place that the Scripture speaks, it alone speaks the truth. We effectively make our own wisdom and our own experience our authority if we deny that Scripture is our authority in life. We believe in faith alone. Faith alone, and if, if we deny that, if we decide that faith is not alone, if there's other things that we do in order to be right with God, then we're trusting in our own righteousness and not in the work of Jesus Christ for our, for our salvation. We believe in grace alone. And we believe in grace alone, <laughs> and that is that our salvation and that our life and everything about us is the gift of God's grace. Because if we deny that, then we elevate our own self, our own will, above the sovereign will of God. And then last week we looked at Christ alone. Christ alone is what keeps us from fixing our gaze on the world, on created beings, on men, and not on Christ. Jesus Christ is the object of our worship. And then when we give all four of those doctrines their proper to do, then God receives the glory due His name. We glorify God, and all of our life exists today. If we're a Christian, our life exists for the glory of God. It's all for the glory of God. Now, I haven't taken them in that order, and there's, there's a reason for that, but... Uh, this morning, we're jumping ahead of grace, and we're getting to Christ alone. Next week, we're going to come back to grace alone. And then following that, we're going to do a series on grace and all the different aspects, the many-faceted grace of God. And there's so many places that you could go to talk about the glory of God. I mean, you just open, a ver open your Bible to a page, and you can probably find some place in there where you can talk about the glory of God. So again, this is one of those things where my biggest challenge wasn't what to say. My biggest challenge was what not to say this morning so that, so that we can get through. Um, Paul said in Romans 11, and this is the verse I'm going to, to build around. Paul said in Romans 11 in verse 36, he said, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. As I spoke, the, as, as I said, the scripture is, is just full of the glory of God. And I want us to, to begin with, with this idea that all things are from him, through him, 
and to him. I want to start with from him. And when you think about everything being from everything you see, everything you know comes from God. Without God, there's nothing that exists that would exist if it weren't for God. In heaven, in uh, Psalm 19.1, it says, The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of His hands. So I want us to start with from Him. What comes from Him? We glorify God when we acknowledge that all things are from Him. And that begins with the creation itself. You know, we, we just need to recognize... First of all, before anything else, before we can give God glory for anything at all, we have to give Him glory for the creation. For the creation. The Bible tells us in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I've often been asked, and maybe some of you are thinking, well, you know, you really don't believe that, do you? You don't believe that God just created everything, do you? Well, I certainly do. And I'll tell you why. Because if I don't, I attribute the glory of the heavens to someone or something else other than God himself. God is the creator. In Genesis chapter 1, the word God is used 32 times in 31 verses. So even though it's about creation, it's really about God. It's really about God. 31 verses in Genesis chapter 1, God is used 32 times. And personal pronouns referring to God lifts that up to 43 times. 43 times in 31 verses. It's about about God. It says God created four times. God said eight times. God saw seven times. God made three times. God called, God set, God blessed, God divided. God did all these things. So if God did that, who made God? Who made those things that were at the beginning? For whatever is eternal, there is God. Whatever was there in the beginning, there is God. God is the beginning. From everlasting to everlasting, God is Job 26, verse 7 says, He stretches the northern skies over empty space, and he hangs the earth on nothing. Remember the, the uh, context of the sermon that we, that we gave you last week from uh, uh, S.M. Lockridge about Christ? He, he has another one. I'm, I'm not going to play you another sermon today, but he, he has another one. On the creation, and he uses this verse. He believe, or uh, he stretches the northern skies over empty space, and he hangs the earth on nothing. And then he asks the question: Do you know why God hung the world on nothing? Because there was nothing there. You know, until he made it, there was nothing there. And and he goes through this thing. He says he reached out into nowhere. And you know why he reached out into nowhere? Because there was nowhere to reach. And he grabbed a hold of nothing. You know why he grabbed hold of nothing? Because there was nothing to grab a hold of. And you know, and he, he goes through this whole thing. It's, it's a, it's a, you can probably find it on YouTube too. I didn't look, but you might want to. But the, the basic comes right out of uh, 
Job 26. He stretches the northern skies over empty space, and he hangs the earth on nothing. Romans 4.17 says, In God's sight, he believed in God, who gives life to the dead and calls things into existence that do not exist. You know, that, that's the, the teaching of creation. All things come through him, come from him. And if you believe that things come from him, you are giving glory to God. To God be the glory for everything that exists. It wouldn't exist were it not for God. People today would rather believe that, uh, not people, you know, most people don't believe it, but the, quote, smart, educated people believe that the world just exists. The word just came into existence. Somehow or another, it evolved. They would rather believe Darwin than Moses. Uh, Australian geologist, though, who is not a Christian, he's not a believer. He's a, a, an atheistic geologist. He says, What is evolution based upon? Upon nothing whatever but faith upon belief in the reality of the unseen, belief in fossils that cannot be produced, belief in embryological evidence that does not exist, belief in breeding experiments that refuse to come off. These are his words. It is faith unjustified by works. And yet that's what he goes with. Robert Jastrow says about evolution according to this story every tree every blade of grass and every creature in the sea and on the land evolved out of one parent strand of molecular matter drifting lazily in a warm pool what concrete evidence supports this remarkable theory of the origin of life there is none those are his words Sir Arthur Keith, another, says evolution is unproved and unprovable. We believe it because the only alternative is special creation. And that's unthinkable. In other words, we can't believe in God, but we'll believe in something that doesn't exist. DMS Watson at the University of London said, Evolution itself is accepted by zoologists, not because it's been observed to occur or can be proved by logically coherent evidence to be true, but because the only alternative, special creation, is clearly incredible. Do you begin to get the idea? These are atheists that are saying this. These are people who believe in evolution and not creation. What are they doing? They're taking what belongs to the glory of God. The heavens declare the glory of God and they're declaring it that it's not God's work. It didn't come from God. Another scientist said about evolution, scientists are so uncomfortable with evolution that if someone could come up with another theory that explained our origins without special creation, they would flock to it like flies to honey. 
you know, I don't know about you, but I'm going to stick with God. I'm going to stick with Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Voltaire, who's also an atheist or was an atheist, said this, the mere existence of the world embarrasses me. I cannot dream that this watch, talking about creation, exists and has no watchmaker. Well, I agree. And I know who the watchmaker is. I know who the one is who put it all together and and stuck it all together. John Calvin said it this way, one of the reformers. He said, the whole universe is God's glory theater. I like that. The universe is God's glory theater. It's where we sit and see the glory of God. When you're giving glory to God, when you stand in awe of creation and realize that it came from the hand of God, the creation, the intelligent designer, it didn't just happen. It happened at the word of God. In the New Testament, we read in John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning, the word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. And if you continue to read, you discover what the through Him was, because in verse 14 it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's the birth story of Jesus Christ. Isaiah says, And one, let's talk about the angels. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Folks, that's the glory of God in creation. That's how we give glory to God. We just begin by recognizing that he is the creator. Every time you ascribe the, in, the existence in the world of anything except coming from God, you're denying Him His glory. You're giving the glory to something else. And so it says, comes through Him. All things through Him. God created, in, verse, in John, He says, God created everything through Him. And nothing was created except through Him. And what He is talking about is Jesus Christ. That's what we looked at last week. Christ alone. Jesus Christ, the glory of God in our, in our salvation. You know, in God's choosing of us, in His redemption, in His sealing, God was doing all things to the praise of His glory. Listen to Ephesians 1. I'm going to read three different verses. I'm just going to put them all together. 6, 12, and 14. It says, We become sons of God to the praise of the glory of His grace. To the ends that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. Having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. You see what he's saying? He says through Jesus Christ, when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, when we become a Christian, we are giving glory to God. That is one of and. And, and the glory doesn't belong to, to me for having the insight to accept Christ. The glory doesn't belong to the preacher for preaching the words that you heard that drew you to Christ. 
The glory doesn't go to the, to the one who witnessed. All of the glory belongs to Jesus and to God. To God be the glory. He, Jesus, to, to be clear, Jesus did not live to glorify himself. He said in John 8, he says, I do not seek my own glory. He said, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me. In the end, Jesus declared that he came to glorify the Father on earth. That's in John 17. He said, I came to put on display the power and the wisdom and the holiness and the majesty of our great God. Before he died, Jesus cried out, Father, glorify your name. To which the response came back from heaven, I have both glorified it and I will glorify it again. That's in John 12. The ultimate display of God's glory came through the sending of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians says, For we know that He is the image of the invisible God. He is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His nature in Hebrews. It's as though that magnificent cloud that uh, passed by Moses. Remember we talked at the... When Moses asked to see God's glory and the cloud passed by Moses and the Shekinah glory cloud in Moses and the, and the fire, the flame of fire that was the glory of God, all of those things in the desert, as if all those things were put together and put inside the flesh, the body of Jesus Christ, and he became the glory of God. Because it says, in whom dwells the fullness of God, Colossians 1.9. He was born in glory, Luke 2.9. He died in glory, John 13.31. And he rose to life in glory, Romans 6.4. So when we appreciate the creation, we give glory to the Creator. When we accept Christ as our Savior and we live for Christ, it's for the glory of God alone. And when we give God the glory, we celebrate the words of 1 Corinthians 8, 6. Paul says, Yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and we exist for Him and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom all things are, and we exist through Him. So from Him, through Him, and what was the last one that Paul says? To him. To him. So I want to talk about to him for a minute. And I, and I titled this completeness. Uh, but that was to keep with the C's, okay? Creation, Christ, completeness. Forgive me, every once in a while the preacher just comes through. And, and, I, have, and I have to do that. I can't get it out of me. But, but the completeness means it just isn't in the church. It just... It, it isn't just in religion. We're to do all things for the glory of God alone. Paul tells the Corinthians, whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Peter writes, in all things be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Are you getting the idea that the glory of God is in everything? Uh, you know, See what I mean when I say I can find millions of verses to use? And then Peter talks about 
technology. He talks about that even in the persecution and suffering, that we're not to be ashamed, but in the name of Christ, let us glorify God. Friday night, I was, uh, Jennifer had already gone to bed, and I was sitting out in the living room. I was watching a movie and uh, talking to my brother on text back and forth. When all of a sudden this text comes out of nowhere from uh, a former church member, former deacon uh, in the church in Moriarty. And uh, he said, could I ask you a question? He said, uh, where's God? He says, my friends are getting COVID. And he listed some of the people who are getting COVID. Some of them are dying. And he listed some of his friends that have died from COVID. Uh, his father-in-law um, has COVID. And he says, evil seems to be taking over. Roger, where is God? And my answer was, He's in the same place he was when everything was going well. He's on his throne in glory. And if you're a believer, he is with you. I am with you always, he said, even to the end of the world. If you're suffering, and obviously he's suffering and his friends are suffering. But if you're suffering, he's suffering with you. He never promised to keep us from suffering. He was put to death on a cross himself. The promises he made was to be with us in our suffering and to finally relieve us from our suffering when he takes us to be with him in glory. That's where God is. Jesus told Peter, he says, the way you die will glorify God. In John 21, 19, he said this, Now this he said, Jesus said, signifying by what kind of death Peter would glorify God. And when he spoke in this, he said, so follow me. In all aspects of life, in our marriages, in our family, in our professions, in our hobbies, in our prosperity, and in our pain, in our joys, and in our sorrows, everything exists for God's glory. And so Paul concludes, so whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Completeness. Isn't that great? Creation, Christ, completeness. Come on, give me give me a give me a nod. Hey. History tells about a man who had trouble keeping a job. He was a musician. He was a church organist, basically. He tried to, to be an organist for, for churches. And he was a composer. And he was a great organist. He didn't have any trouble with the notes or playing or anything. The problem was with the pieces he composed and insisted on playing. Because the churches where he played, and many of the churches where he played them, considered them too showy to be played in church. They were too involved to be in church. And so eventually the church would grumble and 
and he would move on. Of course, churches don't grumble about music anymore. I, you know, that just that's just something that used to happen. Um, and probably he was forgotten about those churches he had worked for. But he hasn't been forgotten by history. Perhaps you've heard of him. His name was Johann Sebastian Bach. One pastor relayed the concerns of the congregation to Bach about his showy music. Here's what he said. The main purpose of my music is to glorify God. Some people do this with music that is simple. I haven't chosen to use a simple style. But my music comes from my heart as an humble offering to God. This honors God no matter what musical style I use. The main purpose of my music is to glorify God. Can we say that about our life and about what we do and about what we're involved with? The main purpose is to glorify God. We're told that when Bach began to write a new song that the first letters that he wrote were J.J. And that's the Latin initials for Jesus Huva or Jesu Juva, Latin, Jesus help me. He began every song, everything he wrote with the words, Jesus help me. And when he got to the bottom, he signed the music for the glory of God alone. He wrote his music for God's glory. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Bach wrote his music for the glory of God. Most of us will never compose like Bach. Maybe Mike. The rest of us will never compose anything like, like Bach did. But that doesn't mean that whatever we do, we don't do for the glory of God. Peter wrote in 1 Peter 4.10, he says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. What you have, God gave you. And he asks that what you do with all the strength and energy that he provides for the glory of God. So whether you teach or sell or protect or heal or repair or build or parent, do it in such a way that at the end of the day you have no problem signing your day, SDG, sola dio gloria, to the glory of God alone. So tomorrow when you get up, you get up with the goal of not just doing your job, but to bring glory to God. Because if you're a Christian, then God expects that when people talk about your life and about your livelihood, that it will bring glory to Him. And that's a choice that only you can make. If you're a Christian, God expects that when people speak of your attitude and when people speak of your words, that your attitudes and words bring glory to God. 
And when people see how you trust him in the face of whatever circumstances life may put in your way, that your trust will bring glory to God. And that's a choice that we have to make. And each of those decisions are rooted in our own ability and in the foundation that we have laid with the other solace. Christ alone, Scripture alone, faith alone, and grace alone bring glory to God alone. Hopefully your life will be marked by complete trust and faith in Jesus Christ so that like Paul at the end of the day and at the end of our days, we'll be able to say with Romans eleven thirty six, for everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. I want to finish with the song of the church in Revelation. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 10. It says, The 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because of your will they existed and were created. May we all do the same in all that we do. To God be the glory. Let's pray.